Join Scotty and Hands Monday, November 18th from noon to 3. They're going to be at My Hearing Centers in Sandy at 8941 South, 700 East, Suite 204. DJ and PK, it is time now to bring in Chris Camrani, Utah youth rider for The Athletic. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Chris, good morning. Good morning, guys. Unlike John Canzano, I'm very easy to get a hold of. So whenever you guys need me, just have Jake send me a text and I'm there for you. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Well, we do need you here. You know all the debates about they've been raging on about the Utes and can they win out? Can they win the conference? Can they get to the playoff? How much do you hear from Ute fans about that? And what kind of things do you hear from Ute fans about that if you are hearing from them? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag at this point. Weirdly, I think, uh, David, you and I had this discussion with Kurt Cragthorpe the other day about would fans maybe be more enticed by the Rose Bowl versus the college football playoff. And I'm still kind of interested in that dynamic from a fan standpoint. I, I, I honestly wonder would fans rather get to that number four spot and face an LSU in Atlanta or would they rather go to a Rose Bowl and play a Minnesota or a Penn State? I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 55-45 either way. I think I think the the longer Utah stays in the in the hunt in the college football playoff rankings at like seven or eight, if they're within striking distance, I think fans might kind of sway towards you know dreaming about the college football possibilities, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough to say. I mean, there's just so much football left to be played. And to be fair, I know the Pac-12 South is down. Utah hasn't even clinched its spot to Levi Stadium yet, even though I know PK bought his flight on Allegiant Air a couple months ago. I think I think we just kind of have to wait and see. Cochise Airlines, buddy. <laughs> Allegiant. It's a knockoff of Allegiant. <laughs> it's a knockoff of a knockoff. I'll just have you know that for saying 55-45, if the wrong people heard that, your timeline is going to fill up. They do not believe there are youth fans who want to go to the Rose Bowl. And uh, I, my notifications look like PK's notifications when that came up on Talking Sports. Yeah, so Chris, why don't you believe that the Utes are going to make the playoff? I just think there's a lot of work that has to be done outside of the walls of the Eccles Football Center. I think Utah can beat the next few teams by 50 points and go to Levi's and, and beat an Oregon team and still potentially be left out. I just think there's, as, as Kyle Whittingham likes to say, uh, control what you can control, and Utah has no control over what some of the best college football programs in the country have uh, to do over the next few weeks. So. I, I think right now the Rose Bowl is obviously much more of a possibility than the than the playoff. Obviously, the playoff is still in play. Utah is still ranked number seven. But as you guys were saying, you know, the previous segment, there are teams that are vying for that fourth spot that could conceivably jump Utah because of the quote-unquote eye test, because of the strength of schedule, because of all the catchphrases, blah, 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 we hear from the college football playoff committee so that's kind of where i stand right now now that might change in the next couple weeks but we just have to wait and see looking at these next three games i just don't see there's any way that the utes lose and and i know that there's well they've lost games in the past yeah but i don't think that they've had this team in the past in november so in my mind they're definitely going three and zero i I mean i I agree i think at a full a full strength utah team should 
easily win these next three games, but um, that's me as an outsider. Obviously, the the UCLA Bruins will will give some fits, I think, just because Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a quarterback that Utah really hasn't seen this year, but if they can make UCLA one-dimensional, they, they should be fine. Uh, Khalil Tate in the desert, even if he's playing half of the snaps, I think he's still a, a possibility to, to make some plays down the field with his feet or with his arm, but Arizona has the worst defense in the conference. And Colorado, even though they just beat a bad Stanford team, I, I just think at home, I don't think you would you would see a senior class of this stature allow themselves to lose on senior day, which would bring ourselves to Levi Stadium um, and see what happens. I, I, I agree with you, PK. I think this Utah-Oregon potential matchup would be the best Pac-12 championship matchup in a very long time. Um, and, and and obviously the, the implications go beyond who gets to raise the conference trophy. So that that would make for that Friday night being a, a pretty enticing evening in the Bay Area. Chris Camrani joining us here, Utes writer for The Athletic. Now, you know, the Kyle say among the many lines, you know, it's the whole one game at a time thing. we got to go 1-0 this week. You know, that's what we control. So most of the fan base, and to be honest, most of the media is taking them three or four games at a time right now. <laughs> What is the thing that we are overlooking? Even if it's not a big thing, what is the thing we are overlooking? From a Utah standpoint? Yeah, from the Utah fan slash media standpoint, as we take them three or four at a time and make a bunch of assumptions about them going 11 yeah. and 1, 12 and 1. Yeah, I guess the easy answer would be that, you know, you have to go out and win these games. And if history is any indication, just because you're the favorite, especially in the Pac-12 conference, it doesn't mean that you're a shoo-in to you know, leave the field as victors. So it's, it's such a broken record. It's such a cliche. I know Kyle would be very proud of me to say it's one game at a time, but it, 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 it's permeated throughout the team, too. I mean, you heard Tyler Huntley the other night after practice. These guys aren't really necessarily buying into themselves at this point. I think that's a, that's a good thing. That's a sign of a team that has you know, things on the horizon that they want to accomplish. And I, I think you look at last year's finish, that goes a very long way for this team, considering they got so close undermanned down their two best offensive players, I guess three offensive players since, since Britton Covey tore his ACL the first play of the second half in that championship game. And I think that's just a, a motivating factor. And, the, and they know that while they've they've gone 8-1, and one, they still have stuff to do. And I, I, I think that... Any, any sign of a good team is taking on the personality of its head coach, and that's another cliche, but I think these guys are as much of a Kyle Whittingham team as we've seen in his 15 years now at Utah. So you speak surprises individually in the team. To me, there's really nothing that surprised me defensively. They were billed to be good, and they're good. And so they fulfilled what they're supposed to do, and I think they'll continue to do that. I'd be surprised if I if I saw otherwise. Offensively, I think that they're better than uh, what we expected. And as I look at it, as I'm trying to say, what is this? what was a little bit more that I didn't expect? If they're better than I expected, that means some guys had to play better than we thought, right? If you can follow this logic I'm trying to create here. <laughs> so my thought is that there's two areas on the offense that are better than I expected. Huntley is playing better than I expected. He's playing at all world level, and the receivers collectively have been a little bit better than I thought they would do. Would you agree, disagree, add, subtract, what? 
Yeah, I, I think when we look back at this season, I think for me, we'll see and we'll think about what Andy Ludwig was able to do with Tyler Huntley and really help him take that next necessary step in terms of becoming a complete quarterback. And now Tyler was asked to do things under Troy Taylor, um, and that means running the ball as much as 20 times a game. So it shouldn't be a surprise in retrospect that Tyler was banged up in the middle or the end of the last couple of seasons. Andy Ludwig isn't asking Tyler to do that. And it, and it's really interesting because I remember a couple of years ago talking to Tyler's coaches down in Florida, and they, they told me, they said, Tyler's a pocket guy. Like Just because he can get out and run and make plays with his feet, he doesn't necessarily want to. And I think what Andy Ludwig has been able to do what Troy Taylor wasn't able to do was to, to say, hey, I know you can make plays with your feet and you can throw the ball on the run, but stay in there. And if you can stay in there, we know you can make the throws. And that's what Tyler's been able to do. That's what he's been asked to do this year, and he's done so at a very impressive clip. Um, in terms of the receivers, I, I agree. I think they were, along with the offensive line, probably the two biggest question marks for me coming into fall camp and coming out of fall camp. But the fact that these receivers are playing at such a high level that they're not having the the drops that they had last year, that they're doing this without Britton Covey, I think speaks to what Guy Holiday and those guys have been able to do. And it speaks to what Andy Ludwig's offense is. It's very democratic. There is no star player. It's whoever's open, Tyler, get them the ball. And that even you know goes beyond into the tight ends and, and running backs coming out of the backfield as well. But that, that Washington game, that last drive, was kind of emblematic of, of what this offense is and what Kyle wanted. You can run the ball, you can keep drives going, and then when you have to, you have a quarterback who can make very difficult throws on the money down, and, and Tyler did that three times in a row. So do you think then that, uh, just following up on what you said there about Andy's talk with Tyler probably talks multiple. Do you think Andy coming in and what he did schematically with the X's and O's was more important? Or listen to you, I think it's more the attitude he built with Tyler and the expectations of him from the get-go and the mentality. That's been a bigger factor. No, I think I think it's both, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I think what we saw last year once this Utah offense got going, it was when they realized that, hey, we have Zach Moss let's run Zach Moss and then allow the throwing game to kind of complement the running game. And that's when that October this offense exploded and they won those games before Tyler got hurt at ASU. I think what Andy's been able to do is he's just been able to give this offense an identity and built it around its best players. And its best players are Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley. And now you have complementary players around them, the receivers and the tight ends and the other running backs that do their job. So, I mean, it, I guess it's not rocket science. It's it's giving Tyler an option to always find someone open. And I think what stands out for me about this offense, even watching it from above, even though I have no nothing close to a coordinator's eye, it seems like every throwing down, there's at least one person open for at least three to six yards. Whereas the last few years, it felt like it was either nine yards or no yards. And I think that's kind of, the brilliance of what Andy's been able to do is he's been able to get guys open, whether that that means he's running certain routes into certain areas of coverage to pull defenders away. He's just been able to do a phenomenal job of, of getting these guys on the same page when it counts, if that makes sense. 
We got to wait because it's not going to be for another few weeks, but I am extremely excited about Oregon and Utah if, and I expect it to come to pass. Means nothing, but what the heck, really? What does sports radio mean when you boil it down? Give us an early handicap. Like a Vegas line? No, nah, just what you think about that game. What are your early, what are your initial impressions yeah. knowing we're still a few weeks away? Sure. I, I guess Oregon's defense is better than it was last year, and they returned quite a bit of guys that was that were on that team that came to Salt Lake last year and lost to Utah when Utah had Jason Shelley and Armand Shine in the backfield, which I guess can also play into the, the motivational role for Utah, knowing that they beat a pretty good team at home without their two best offensive players. But I guess you could also argue that it could motivate Oregon considering they didn't play that well at all. Uh, but they didn't have Panay Sewell at left tackle, who's probably one of the top ten players in college football. The, uh, the the kid from St. George, can hopefully he's healthy for that game. He will be there, and that will probably be Bradley and I's biggest test of the year. I, I, I mean, I think it would be a great game. I want to believe it would be a great game. I hope it's nothing like last year's game. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess I can. You guys know me as a cynic. I, I'm going to go with the the optimistic route, and I'm going to say I hope it's a great game. Chris, as always, we appreciate the time. Thank you for making yourself constantly available to us. I'm just one text message away.